the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Some of you may need to get out of your seat and go to someone to do this. Some of you may need to leave as soon as we dismiss and, and go get on your phone or go to someone's house. Because you're not only hindering your relationship with God, you may be hindering the advancement of the gospel. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. A bank is not going to give you a mortgage loan if they don't look at your debt-to-income ratio and think that you can pay it. But there's a second word for debt that's used in the New Testament besides that kind of debt. It's a word that describes something that could never be repaid. A, A debt that sinks you. Now, financially, when we experience that... What do we do? Sometimes you have no choice, but you file bankruptcy. Because you've said this debt could never be logically repaid. That's the word for debt that Jesus uses in this prayer. When he says, forgive us our debts, that which we could never repay, that which there's no way out of. And as we forgive our debtors. Sin creates that kind of debt in our life, no matter how hard we try, no matter how religious we become, no matter how many times we go to church, we're sunk. We're spiritually bankrupt. But the gospel of grace is good news. I want you to hear what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Then he set them aside, nailing them to the cross. Praise the Lord for what Jesus has done. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. And among the last words of Jesus, we translate it, it is finished. But he said in the Aramaic, to telestai, which means paid in full. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. And how do I get that forgiveness? How do I get that forgiveness? Forgiveness that everyone needs. All I have to do is ask. He delights in our asking. In Romans 10 and verse 9 it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth 
one confesses and is saved. There's that moment in our life where we agree with God. It's called confession. God, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you and I don't like it. I need forgiveness. And we begin to understand that that's why Jesus died on the cross. He was nailing our sin to the cross. He was canceling our debt on the cross. And he was giving us forgiveness on the cross. And then the Bible says in 1 John, if, if we confess our sin, he's faithful even though he's just. Forgiving us of our sin and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Understand this clearly. It's not because we earn or deserve it. It's not because we're worth it. It's not because we've worked our way and now we're forgiven. No, it's a gift from God. It's all about Jesus. I love how Paul describes this in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, In Him, who is Him? We need a reminder, class. If I ask a question, it's generally going to be an easy question. And if you don't know the answer, you've got a good chance if you just say, So who is Him? So in him, it says in Ephesians 1, we have redemption. That's the payment through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of grace. So what did Jesus do on the cross? He made a payment, canceling our debt, all because of his grace, not because we deserved it. He clarifies that in the next chapter. In Ephesians 2, in verse 8, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord for the gospel of grace. Now, King David, King David finally understood this. And so, if you're reading in the Psalms, you'll come to Psalm 32, and it's a psalm all about confession and forgiveness. You'll come to Psalm 51. And it's a psalm all about confession and forgiveness. And you have that great verse like Psalm 51.10. Created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. That should be something we pray every morning when we wake up. Oh God, created me a clean heart. Renew that right spirit within me. But then you come to Psalm 103. And David, later in life, is just reflecting on all, all the goodness that comes from God. Listen to what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. What? There are benefits to having a relationship with God besides just going to heaven? Yes. You understand what a benefit is? If you've ever had a job, you do, because you find out what you're going to get paid, and then you find out, well, now, what are the benefits? So he says, I I've got this relationship with God, and my soul is happy, and I'm praising him because I'm just reflecting on the benefits. In Psalms 103, he goes through the benefits, but the first benefit that he lists is that he forgives my iniquity. He understood the greatest thing about having a relationship with God is forgiveness. 
If you read that whole chapter, you see at least three things about forgiveness. First of all, you see that when God forgives us, he removes our sin. Now, I know that because it says he separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Now, remember, our sin is separating us from God, and it separates us from others. So he separates it from us as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? Oh, no. You don't know because you can measure a distance between the northern and the southern poles. But you can't measure a distance between the east and the west. The Holy Spirit of God is telling us he removes our sin. We don't really understand that. And so we certainly don't understand the second thing that David says. It says he remembers them no more. Now, that's not the same thing as forgetting. God can't forget. Why? He's God, and and what do we know about the character of God? So, what's one of the things we know about God? He is all-knowing, and if he's forgotten something, we're saying there's something he doesn't know. So, he doesn't forget. He chooses not to remember, right? And we struggle with this. Here's what we think. When we go to God and ask forgiveness, we think that, okay, he says, hold on a second, Paul. And he goes over here and he pulls out the file cabinet drawer. And he begins to thumb through the, oh, Paul, you've already asked forgiveness for this. Back in 2000, yeah, it looks like you asked seven times. Oh, and whoa, 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 Paul, in 2009? You ask forgiveness for this same thing 342 times. Well, Paul, I, you keep asking forgiveness for That's what we think God does. And yet that's not biblical. It says he chooses not to remember. He remembers them no more. But there's a third thing. It says he releases us. This is where it gets into our indebtedness. What happens when you pay off a mortgage? You get the deed to your home, right? You're released. And yet the Bible says, when Jesus died on the cross for your sins, when he paid the price, when he put that accounting word to Telestai, it is finished over you, he's saying you're released from this debt of sin. Now, That's worth the price of admission for some of you because some of you are caught up in what I would call presumptuous sins or habitual sins, that it's the same thing over and over again. And you've bought into this lie that you think there's no way out. And we we generally do that for two reasons. One, we do it because we play the blame game, just like our great-grandma Eve did. You know, um, Adam made me do this or or the devil made me do this. Um, And then Adam did the same thing, right? Yeah, so that's why we've been doing it. So, um, or you're just full of self-pity. You know, considering the circumstances, I just can't do any better. And yet that's failing to recognize what Jesus does for us. That he releases us from that bondage, that he gives us help, that he gives us hope. Why do we need to do this daily? Remember the song that we sang, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? 
It has a phrase that says, oh, for grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. And then it goes on to say, prone to wander. That's me and you. (laughs) We come to church and we have a great time. We're inspired. We're, We're ready to tackle hell with our water pistol. And then we go home and we blow it. I mean, we don't even get out of the parking lot half the time. Why? Because we've got this navigational system that is broke. It is this nature of sin. And we're prone to wander. We want to go that way, but we're prone to wander. And daily we've got to go before God. Someone put it this way. When Jesus nailed our sins to the cross, he removed the nails of sin from our life. But he didn't fill in the holes. See, God is holy, but we are holy, H-O-L-E-Y. We're messed up. We're sinners. We're not perfect. We need his help because we sin daily. And that sin causes all kind of consequences in our spiritual life. In fact, sin hinders our prayers. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened And some of you, you pray and you think, I don't feel like God hears me. And it's because you've not gone to him on a daily basis and asked for the forgiveness of your sins. Because that sin, remember, forms a barrier. It separates you from God. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. By the way, husbands, there's a verse in the Bible that speaks of this specifically related to us. And if you've never heard this, this may be frightening to you. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that... Your prayers will not be hindered. This is a big deal. We need to confess daily. Forgive us this day our debts. Just as we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Let me give you a pro tip or what you might call a best practice in this just to help you. I like to pray through my body in this area of confession. And as I pray over a specific area, maybe if there are not some things I'm confessing, agreeing with God about, then I'll ask him, God, show me any areas in this part of my life where I've fallen short, where I'm in debt, where I've trespassed. So I start with the head because the Bible says take every thought captive, right? So God, are there sinful thoughts? What could those be? Well, it could be lustful thoughts. It could be, get ready for this, anxious thoughts, I'm worrying. That's a sinful thought. 
It could be thoughts of bitterness towards someone else. Then I go to the eyes. Have I looked at anything that's not pleasing to God? The ears, have I heard anything not pleasing? Here's a big one, the mouth. Man, I was reading in the Proverbs this morning, and you know what it said? It's better to not say anything than open your mouth and sin. I mean, that's a hard verse to read as a pastor on a Sunday morning. And yet there's so many ways we sin with our mouth. And I just keep going down the body, my hands and and when I go through the body, I think of sexual sin. And, and God, have my feet taken me anywhere? Have I put anything into my body that's not pleasing to you? All of these things helping me to keep what I like to call a short list of accounts with God. So that my prayers would not be hindered. So that I get his best for my life. By the way, it says forgive us was just a a reminder that everything in this model prayer is both personal and corporate. So you're not in this alone. You're you're part of a greater body. And sometime the body has blown it. Throughout history, particularly here in this culture, in the U.S., the church has often blown it. We've not always quickly been on the right side of right. And we have to confess that, right? Right? Maybe you've been a part of a church split or or just something nasty in church life. And, you know, maybe you've you've never confessed, God, I, I hate that I was a part of that. I need your forgiveness. All right. All of God's children need daily forgiveness, but there's more to this prayer. All of God's children must be daily forgivers. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that's what Jesus comes back to at the end of this prayer. It's almost like Jesus teaches to pray. Okay, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He goes through the whole prayer and then he says, "Uh, time out. I don't think you guys got that. So in verse 14, he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is a big deal, right? And so all throughout the New Testament, you see this idea of conditional forgiveness. We are forgiven as we forgive. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. What's it saying? Do we earn forgiveness by forgiving others? No. It doesn't say forgive us our debts because we forgive our debtors. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive. It's implying that if we've truly received and understood God's forgiveness, it's going to be evident in the way that we forgive others. And I see this over and over and again as a pastor. Usually it, it sounds like this. Someone will say, well, pastor, I, I can't forgive them. They've not earned it. I don't think they mean it. They don't deserve it. And what that tells me is, that person truly doesn't understand the forgiveness of God because that person is assuming the only way they get God's forgiveness is if they earn it, if they deserve it, if they really mean it. But that's not the way God works. And yet that cripples us. I I can think back of a setting in my life where I I felt like I needed to ask forgiveness and I, I really prayed through it, and I went, and I, I humbly asked forgiveness. <laughs> the person looked at me and said, 
sorry, I don't think you really mean it. And it crushed me because I felt like I was, I was bound to something I was trying to be unchained from. This is so important. Jesus speaks to this in Matthew 18. Do you remember this? Peter comes to him and he says, Jesus, uh, how many times do we need to forgive exactly? Seven? That's a good number, a holy number. Seven times, Jesus? And, and don't think he was being spiritual. I don't think he was. I think he was, this was Peter in the flesh. Because he's thinking, okay, seven times I'll do it. But on that eight time, I'm going to beat his, I mean, he's, he's ready to fight. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. <laughs> Peter, no, think about 70 and a multitude of seven. And in other words, you can't count this high, Peter. Just like I've had to forgive you and forgive you and forgive you. And, and by the way, I'm going to have to forgive you about something you're going to do that you don't even know yet. And it's a biggie. That's how I want you to forgive. And just in case Peter didn't understand it, he said, let me see if I can illustrate it. This guy is in the kingdom and he owes the king like millions of dollars. <laughs> and yet he's a regular guy. And so he's in prison because that's what you did. You were thrown into debtor's prison. And eventually, if, if you could not pay, you were sold off into slavery. He said, so the king looked at him and he said, um, yeah, he can't pay millions of dollars. And, and so he was going to sell him. He was going to sell his, his wife. He was going to sell his children. And the guy hears about this. And so he goes begging to the king and says, oh, please don't do this. I can imagine living without my wife. I can imagine living without my children. No, oh, please give me another chance. And, and the king shows mercy. He shows grace. He cancels the debt. He forgives it. And yet Jesus says, imagine that that same guy now goes home. And he finds out one of his friends owes him a few dollars but he can't pay it. But because of that debt, this guy walks to the debtor's prison with his friend and reports him and asks that he be thrown in. Jesus said, what would happen? Well, all of the guy's friend, the guy that was forgiven, they would be outraged and they would go tell the king. And you know what the king would do? He would go grab him by his sorry neck and he would drag him back into prison and he would put him under the prison because he would say, the way you've been forgiven is not the way you're acting. I showed you mercy and now you've not reciprocated. Now, why would Jesus tell us that story? He wants us to understand that if we could for, be forgiven for this sin in our life that separates us from the creator of the universe, then there's nothing that could touch us. No harm could be done to us that we're not able to forgive by God's grace. I, I want you to think about something because some of you are struggling right now because you've been really hurt. You were abused perhaps or and there's a whole list of things that could have been done to you and I'm so sorry. And you're thinking, why? Why do I have to forgive? Here's the answer. According to Scripture, no one could ever sin against you as much as you've sinned against Jesus. I caused one old Methodist preacher to put it this way. I made up my mind I would never fall out with anybody until he treated me worse than I treated Jesus. 
Hey, how would our world change if Christ followers just started to live by that? We don't get it, church. And I've been around this thing my whole life. And I've watched church people who profess Christ pass other church people in the hall without talking. Good night. Let me make it personal. I've walked down the aisle at Publix and seen former church members who turned the other direction. How, how do we do that? How are we missing it so greatly? No, God calls us to forgive, and we forgive because of gratitude. We look at what he's done, and we say, God, out of an attitude of gratitude and recognition for what you've done for me, I must forgive. We forgive out of obedience because we know he commanded it. And then we forgive out of wisdom because it makes a difference in our lives. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.